Hello, welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, comment, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We would love to hear your ratings of the movies and shows we review. Email us your audio file to recappingpodcast at gmail.com and we will play it during the show. Or DM us on Instagram and we will post and read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Delora. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, good. Because we are about to talk about... As I mentioned last week, a show that has gotten a lot of buzz, at least within my friend circle, but I, I believe it's been out there in general. <laughs> and that is Reasonable Doubt, the first Hulu and Onyx Collective collaborative original series. First two episodes released on Hulu September 27th, and then episodes drop weekly thereafter. Nine hour longish episodes currently out and available for you guys so if you have not watched it stop here come back to us let me give you a quick summary we have jack stewart as the star who juggles work family friends and a complicated personal life as a brilliant and fearless defense attorney in la who bucks the justice system every chance she gets carrie washington larry wilmore and sean holly who is an attorney I've referenced on this podcast before and who this series is based on, all serve as executive producers on this project. Carrie Washington directed the pilot episode. We have Ramla Muhammad as the writer and showrunner who has also worked on Little Fires Everywhere and Scandal. And then fun fact that I learned as I was doing my research for this podcast, Jay-Z has a heavy influence on this series. Reasonable Doubt, as mo- a lot of fans know, was the title of an album of his, and all the episodes are named after his songs. So very nice. I know hip hop was definitely a character in the show. Yeah, and in an interview that Larry Wilmore and Ramla did, they talked about Jay Z, and they talked about the reason why he was an inspiration for the influence of the show. So that's a Hollywood Reporter interview, guys. You can go read it on these internets. Let's get into this cast. Emma Yatsi Coronaldi as the Jack Stewart. McKinley Freeman as Lewis. The Michael Ely. Bay. Top five as Damon. Okay, I guess. Yes, I didn't say this character. I said Michael Ely. Pauletta Washington as Mama Lou. Yes, I loved seeing I Pauletta so in this series. Her. Yes, because I don't think I've ever seen her really get to spread her wings in any projects that i've really watched and her son is a huge fan he always makes sure you put respect on her name there we go sean patrick thomas as brayton miller this was a reunion for carrie washington and sean patrick thomas from save the last dance days absolutely Shannon Kane as Chanel, Perry Camper as Kalisha Moore, and Brooke Lyons as Sarah. The cast is a little more extensive, but those are some of the top tier characters we're going to be talking about, talking about and getting into. Reviews, Rotten Tomatoes, 100% critic score. 100%, okay? 72% audience score. 94% Google users gave this a thumbs up. Delora, what is your grade? for the first season of Reasonable Doubt. Well, as I mentioned in our quick headlines and hot topics, this show, this character, Jax, is now a part of a long line of beautiful, successful, badass Black TV lawyers. But boy, oh boy, she was messy at as fuck (laughs) it's like who am i rooting for (laughs) and what i love is it definitely was giving me olivia pope it was definitely giving me annalise keating Mm -hmm. um with some exceptions and i'll definitely bring that up as we talk about this recap but overall i enjoyed it 
I am really good at solving these things. And I don't think I did it. I think I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I guess I'll say that. So there was some twists and turns I didn't see coming. And so because of that, I give this a B. Okay. We're on the same exact page. I gave this a B as well. I agree that her life got quite, quite messy. And I think that there's a lot of room for growth that I see with this series from this first season. I don't, I don't feel like the formula is necessarily a hundred for the sauces and a hundred percent perfected just yet. Mm -hmm. I felt some of the growing pains of a season one, but I am invested. I was invested after I saw the first two episodes that dropped. That's what kept me through the entirety of the season and all the black excellence, of course. Of but course. I think there's a lot of room for growth after this first season. And so I give it a B. They did a great job of kind of the introduction into this world, introduction into Jax. But I'm interested to see how we expand in season two, how we expand mm. and what lessons she's learned from some yes. of these shenanigans that happened in season one. And are we going to see her follow a little bit of more of an Olivia Pope path where she has to get knocked on the head a few times before she kind of kind of can pull herself away from certain things. <laughs> exactly. Or is she going to get it together a little bit quicker for the sake of them kids? Because I think even Carrie Washington said it on an interview on The View is that's one of the biggest differences between Olivia Pope and Jax. Jax has kids. That's I it's mean, a consideration beyond a yourself. And kids, and that's major. The partner, eh. but with the child, the children. I think that was intentional for her to have options. Obviously, we had to have a little drama, but it's the kids to me that ground you, grounded her character yes. more in realizing no matter what's going on, I still have a responsibility beyond myself. So, anyway. Spoiler alert, guys. Let's go ahead and get into the series. Let's go ahead and get into the good, good. And yeah, let's jump into the world of Jack Stewart, Delora. Episode one, we begin with Jack's being held hostage. We have no idea why. We have no idea where. We have no idea by whom. We flashback six months. So this whole first season basically is a flashback from this situation. She's a successful partner at a law firm in LA, but her Ethics can be viewed as questionable. A high-profile client comes by the firm, almost billionaire, Brayton Miller. He's seeking an NDA from a woman, Kalisha Moore, who was an executive at his company and whom he was also having an affair. She's accusing him of sexual assault. An old client, Damon Cook, gets in touch with Jax. He's been in prison for a murder he did not commit for 16 years, but wants to plead guilty to be released as he's up for parole. Some history between them that we're going to delve into as we move along. Jax and her husband, Lewis, have been separated for three months, and he hires security guard Wheel without asking her because he's living elsewhere. Seems like some of their problems stem from his issues with her career, And he even gave her an ultimatum. The dynamics of their relationship sexually in this episode really threw me. We learn, as Jax does, that Kalisha Moore has been killed to end episode one. So, Delora, give me your episode one thoughts as we get into this world and into this drama. Episode one. So, one of the things that I noticed right away that Olivia Pope and Annalise Keating the more recent you know famous black women lawyers what Jax has that they did not is a freaking sister circle I was like yes friends yes having connections with people and being able to literally let your hair down be surrounded by excellence and not completely wrapped up in men. Mm-hmm. That was something I really appreciated. I also love how she looked at the law. Again, giving me major Annalise Keating vibes where it's like, I don't care if you're guilty or not, but 
I'm always going to be able to look at this situation from three other angles. And it is what it is because at the end of the day, my job is like, whatever her job is, that's what the focus, (laughs) you know, what the focus is. Does it right or wrong? Doesn't really matter. You know, (laughs) very lawyer. She's very much a lawyer. Very lawyer. I also loved how they highlighted what it's like to be the only woman, the only black woman in a room full of white men and how emotionally draining that shit is. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always a smart comment about uh, one of my favorite things is it's like, oh, that's why you get paid the big bucks. She's like, my check could be bigger. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, sis. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I feel like the writers definitely gave a lot of moments like that sprinkled throughout the series of showing our reactions after we've left the room, showing our reactions post those interactions that you don't often get to see. Like as soon as she left that, she got on the phone and mom, her mom, she's talking to her mom, how's your day? How are things? Oh, you know, just dealing with these white folks. Like that is legit something that somebody will say you know what I mean so it was very real in certain ways with the language that was used but there were also times where I felt like they were overdoing that too there were also times I was like "Mm, mm, I don't don't know I don't know but I get that y'all are trying to sprinkle realness of black culture language and all of that throughout so I, I appreciated that a bit as well any other thoughts for episode one yeah mr williams what was his deal like the way he was talking uh to her partner and not her in that first interview um i was like was he off put by her because she was using words like dope or you know because at first again you know what it's like when it's a brand new show nine times out of ten they're trying to find the tone and I was like I was also taken aback by the use of the n-word throughout the series in a way that I wasn't expecting because again yes our people use the n-word nine times out of ten I don't use it my family does not use it with each other but I don't I can't say what they do with their friends type of deal Mm -hmm. but with her interaction with Mr. Williams initially, I saw that she said, what's up? And then she said, dope. And I'm like, are you doing this because you feel like you had to be the black person in the room? And therefore he was just overlooking her. And it got to the point where it was just completely unnecessary. And he was an absolute asshole. But I was just, I thought that was an interesting play in their first interaction. Yeah, I couldn't, check really at first with Brayden Miller's interaction when they first met with them if he was to your point off putting or put off by her because she was a woman because she was a black woman because she was trying to be the wrong name because she was trying to be relatable I wasn't exactly sure but once he kind of dismissed her I stopped caring as well because it's one thing even if you did but he started to have an air of you know, he he wasn't humble. He was very arrogant about it. He was very dismissive about it. So then I was with her as far as like, okay, well, this is your little client. You go ahead and handle it. <laughs> so right after that, I, I was no longer committed to even caring. What do you think about her relationships with both Damon and with her husband in episode one? With Damon, you absolutely knew something was up and you just didn't know what exactly. Because I was thinking to myself, they're not going to let her have a thing with a former client, are they? He are said, you that? love criminals, remember? And I was like, whoa. But it was the ultimatum for me with her husband. I'm like, what happened? And let's talk about her morning routine because it was quite fascinating. Starting the day with a five-hour energy drink. But then we see her get up on her own. And I was thinking, oh, she's a single woman. But then when you see that she has two entire kids and her husband right there, I was like, oh, what's going on here? This dynamic seems a bit off. You can definitely see the relationship or the connection, especially when they're at church. And I was actually kind of excited to see 
you know, what that looks like. But then when they talked about the ultimatum, I was like, oh my gosh, how can, like, what drove him to, to give her one? You know what I mean? And I feel like in the show, they waited a long time to really give us the explanation that we actually needed, but it definitely was a hook for my continued watch for Mm -hmm. sure. I can't say I ever really felt satisfied with the Lewis situation. And I'll talk about that more as we get into things because the whole ultimatum thing put me off immediately, put me off real quick. So Damon, definitely someone was cooking in the kitchen. Hence his name being Damon Cook. Well, Uh, I also have in my notes when it comes to him is his eyes are so dangerous. Like I feel like his whole demeanor. His whole demeanor. It was just, he had this, the voice is everything. This is why I love Michael Ely, but you ain't got to bring it in this packaging of trying to come at your lawyer like this. But anyway, let's move on to episode two. We see Jax playing the fence between her firm and helping Kalisha's cousin in terms of her involvement in Kalisha's murder case. Jax ultimately sides with the firm and takes Brayden on as his lawyer. It was a whole lot of back and forth and I'm I'm not interested and da-da-da-da-da. Did you agree with her decision to take on Brayden as a client? The ambitious side of me would say yes. It made sense. He's high profile. He's a Black man. He's about to be a billionaire. You're a criminal lawyer. One of the best. It'll be great for you. It'll be great for the firm. I get it. However, we know she felt some guilt at the end of the first episode when Kalisha called her out and that obviously stuck with her. And to know that this woman is now dead and he is suspect number one, I am surprised that she took him as a client. I felt like the only reason why she decided to take him on as a client is because she wanted to redeem herself from Damon. And so I think because of that, it clouded Absolutely. her judgment and she should have followed her first instincts because her first instincts were to reject him. Yes, that's a great point. I feel like you get that a lot in this series something happening in her personal life or vice versa impacting her professional one and she's having a direct influence Mm -hmm. yeah and that that happens but it was definitely to me the the major arc between having Damon around and having this Braden case was you you were not able to save this black man this innocent black man from serving time so let me save this other black man from potentially serving time. If he said he didn't rape her, he said he didn't sexually assault her, as long as he doesn't lie to me, I'm going to take on his case. Okay. I never fully trust Damon, though. Uh, I trust him or not trust him. I was more so just interested in where we were going with that. Because as we see in episode Mm -hmm. two, she's having run-ins and meetups with this man because he did go ahead and plead guilty and he did get released from prison. So, you know, he pops up at the church he knows she went to and suddenly you going over to the halfway house to speak to him for why? Yeah. That's you choosing to continue to try to be around this man, even though you made this whole show of saying, you plead guilty. I don't want anything else to do with you and all this and that, which was dramatic, in my opinion. As a lawyer, Very why are you that emotionally invested. invested? Yeah. But my question to you, Ashley, is would you have taken the plea? Would you have pleaded guilty being up for parole? That's a tough question because I've never been in prison and I hope to never go to prison. Well, no, but it's that question of like, if you know you're innocent, but you know you can get out, like, do you take the... Yeah, and I what I was about to finish saying was it's a tough question because I've never served time in prison, but I think that's also what made me think that I might have gone in the same direction as Damon is because I've never been to prison and he has. And if this is the conclusion that he's come to after serving 16 years without any hope or resolution, we've seen many cases of people going 30 years, 40 years, finally being exonerated 
finally having their name cleared. Damon said, uh-uh, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to serve another day. I've waited 16 years for evidence to come out and nothing has come out. So I may have been Damon in that situation because he was never prepared to have to serve that time. And I know I damn sure ain't. Yeah, absolutely. It was a horror. This series is a horror story for me with that whole scenario. Absolutely. All right. Episode three, Brayton's wife, Sarah, is allegedly the last to know that he was having an affair with Kalisha. Jax convinces her to stick around to present a united front. What's your move if you were Sarah? Would you have stuck by his side as Jax instructed? Having the united front, at least in public? Yes. If I believe that he didn't commit the crime, although I knew he cheated on me, I still would do the united front. Is that for the sake of the kids or because you would hope that he's not going to have to go to prison? Kids and money. (laughs) That's how Mary had a little lamb. Well, you know, Sarah had her own family money as well, but I guess having Brayton's didn't hurt either. So what's that saying? My money is my money. Your money is my money. (laughs) Well, Sarah decides to stick with it. And Brayton's case officially goes to trial for second degree murder. Jack's daughter, Naima, has her period. She felt she couldn't talk to Jack since she's been so busy. Was her parenting suffering due to drama with her husband and work? Yes. Yes. And yes. Jax had a very busy life. From being a high-powered attorney to her relationships, romantic, friendship, parental. I mean... I feel like I barely saw the little girl in the show. (laughs) It was a bit of overkill when dad took her to the doctor. I was like, okay. I'm like, sir, do we not know what this is? What this is? We have not had any conversations. 10 years old is so young. 10 is young. 10 is young. I mean, I was, I didn't gather how old she was until they were like, well, she's 10. So yeah, you don't expect that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it made me sad when the scene where she breaks down crying and realizing how much of a disconnect it is. Because I think up to this point, she thought she had been juggling all the balls. Yeah. I think up until this point, she was like, but I got it, though. My son is just going through his, you know, teen angsty stuff. Yeah. Me and my daughter, were solid. I got the stuff going on with the husband, the job, but I'm, I'm juggling them all. And I think this is the first time she may realize, like, I'm not. I'm not doing it successfully. Yeah. I mean, it's that. It's that understanding of is no such thing as balance, but there's, there is something to, you know, prioritizing what's important. And I have to say, I can't say that Jack's prioritized her kids from what we saw up until this point. Yeah. The men's situations were getting in the way a bit, but (laughs) a bit, just a bit. But again, I think she did think she was doing her best. So I think this gave her a moment of pause. In episode four, Jax played the PR game by connecting Brayden with her friend Chanel's husband for a nonprofit event, even after Chanel told her that things were not good in her marriage. Was Jax a good friend in this series to you? I think Jax is one of those friends in that friend group that it's a bit of an asshole and everybody puts up with her because Mm. they've been together for years. They have that shared history. She does have value. However, she's guarded and like she bulldozes in her law, (laughs) you know what I mean? For her clients, that bleeds into her personal life as well. I think Chanel was the one that we saw the tension with. You know, the other yes. two girlfriends 
it was way it was a very different dynamic than what we saw between them two. And I'm like, I don't know if it's because there's more history there. I don't know if it's because there's more of a conflict in personality there. But I definitely thought she was wrong in this case. If one of my girlfriends was like, please don't do this. I'm asking you not to do this. You could have found something else. You could have found another way. I'm not sure why you had to steamroll over the request and the respect of your friend for the sake of this freaking client. It just didn't sit right with me. Yeah. But Chanel was a mess too. Chanel had her moments where she may have said things that may have been a little, you know, maybe out of line, but she always did it to Jack's face for the most, like for the most part. Like, I don't feel like, you know what I mean? I don't feel like she necessarily ever really did anything that was like, oh, that's messed up or that's shady or any that's of that funny. between the two of them. Whereas this was like, Jax, you, you tripping in my yeah. opinion. Damon considers joining his brother in some illegal activities in this episode. Do you think the show did a good job showing some of the obstacles that Damon faced after his release? Oh, yeah. Everything from having an SOPO mm-hmm. to sleeping on the floor. Honestly, um, in one of the interviews with the Exonerated Five, I can't remember which one, but he said that he can sleep in a bed for years mm-hmm. after being released from jail. And it is very common for people who've been in jail to return. It's very common. And It's common because unfortunately, a lot of people are, they move back into environments where criminal activity is commonplace and it's easy to get sucked up, especially when you're trying to make money and it's hard to do it when you're a felon. That part. So what was unique to Damon is that at least he had a job that was waiting on him because he had a family business that was already established that his brother had been able to take up, but he wasn't ready for the fact that his brother, in order to keep that family business running, had turned to illegal activities. Yes. So I think that was unfortunate because Damon was on, in my opinion, trying to be on the right foot, trying to do everything. But having your PO try to say your drug results were inconclusive and all this stuff, like it was tough to have to watch. But I do think that the series tried to highlight some of that struggle that someone who had just gotten released was going to go through. And as we see, there's a mental health, additional mental health tolls that came with that as well, that unfortunately are going to cause significant problems as we're moving on. So episode five is a flashback episode to 2007 and Jack stays as a public defender focusing on her case with Damon. He was accused of murdering a man by stabbing him in a bar fight. Jack's got a bit too involved with her client to say the very least. She up here having phone sex with this man from his cell. Girl, I was like, So we're going there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And as we already know, unfortunately, she loses his case. She ended up quitting her job as a public defender after and had her meet cute, if that's what you want to call it, with future hubby Lewis after getting into a car accident with him. He lost his case. They both lost that case. Yeah, but his temperament lost in that case but and why talk he about was unprepared. the jury though he was unprepared yep, for cross-examination yeah but let's also not forget <laughs> that jury also wasn't giving him any um throwing him any bones either <laughs> okay <laughs> she was young she was not experienced as she is when we meet her now obviously so she's getting her footing and had she not been over here playing googly eyes and pussyfooting around with this man i think she still could have possibly had a good shot at winning but he was not prepared for cross-examination yeah and that's on both of them but more on her because this is your job sis it's your job yeah but she's like you know what i'm gonna make that money What were your thoughts on their relationship after seeing this flashback? Well, the tension between the two up until this point was palpable. Mm-hmm. I was curious on like this connection. I didn't know if it was solely 
you know, based off of their interactions with one another? Was there something that happened before? I don't know. I just didn't know what it was. Right. And so when we finally get this flashback, I'm like, oh, why did she fall for him? Because when I tell you there's shows about this love after lockdown, (laughs) right. These men are some of the most persuasive men on this planet. They will have you waiting 16 years just for that D. Okay. And I thought she, I thought she would know better. And like I said, I, I was still on the on the fence on whether or not he did it or not. So I don't know. That's a good question. Did you do you think that he is in fact he was in fact innocent? Again, they are persuasive. I'm when I say they, but you know, that's why Shark Redemption is one of my favorite movies of all time. One of the most famous quotes that Morgan Freeman says, and of course I'm paraphrasing, is I'm the only guilty person here at Shawshank the likelihood <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to say here yes he said he didn't do it but the way he was laying it on thick with her made me question if he wanted her to be distracted enough to not really you know dig into what she needs to dig into that's interesting. His his innocence, I never question. You never. Perhaps because, because it's Michael Ely. You're mesmerized <laughs> by Michael <laughs> Ely and those eyes. Listen, perhaps because it's Michael Ely, but also because I felt like there was a different level of, of contrition or honesty from him when they were having conversations about what took place. More so than what I'm going to eventually see with Brayden. Maybe that's why also, because I'm comparing those two characters. And I just, his innocence, once he's, once they establish everything and they've talked it through, I'm like, okay, well, if he says he didn't do it, then he didn't do it. And this is a tragedy that this black man is about to go to prison for a crime he didn't commit. So, and the fact that he went 16 years and never denied, never changed his story, nothing until he felt like I just can't take this another day really made me feel like he had been innocent so that's interesting though because a lot of times i will i'll be like "Mm, but is he telling the truth yeah it could be the michael ely effect so Jax does take her relationship to the next level with damon in episode six did you see Jax beginning a relationship a vacay bay relationship with damon as an affair because she is still married yes a separation is not a divorce. She already slept with security guard Will. So we already saw that happen and the husband watching on security. She knew the husband saw it too. That also made me question their relationship on like, are they open? He didn't seem entirely jealous with this one. But Jax was absolutely messy for this. Now, I actually just read a book recently. That talked about people having an instant connection, but then being ripped apart and then coming back into each other's lives, but they're with other people. And it's like, you're holding out for this person all these years, but you saw them first type of deal. And I feel like it's, this is like that trope where it's like, well, they connected before she even was with Lewis. And so, so is it really cheating? Well, it's not that it's really cheating, but she let her curiosity of what could be. And obviously he did what needed to be done. (laughs) I fast forwarded through that. I didn't watch her with my man. I did not watch her with my my man. Both times I fast forwarded through. Both times I fast forwarded through. Feel some type of way, guys. I feel some type of way. (laughs) Wowzers. I know. I know. And I've seen, I don't know why it was this. Maybe it's because it was so long. I was like, I'm not watching all of this. Let me move on. Let's move on. But yes, it was definitely it an was affair. Well choreographed. <laughs> it was definitely an affair. I felt bad for Lewis in this moment because so far she had made it seem like she was very open to reconciliation with her husband. So I was like, so to your point, you know, you see this as, hey, I've been thinking about this D for a long time. Let me go ahead and 
and check it out. But I don't think there was any feelings there. And that's where I think she messed up. What I was alluding to before is, you know, how people say, oh, if you mess with somebody like an ex, then is it really cheating? Yes, it's still cheating. And (laughs) and there is for me, she was curious, but she wasn't emotionally invested. And Damon was super emotionally invested. He has still held an emotional torch for her all of this time. So I felt bad also for Damon because I was like, you know, he like loves you. And so you're using him. I also as a hot fire flame. (laughs) You know, he just got a gel broke D is obviously always top shelf (laughs) okay all right i'm joking i'm joking i don't know from experience but what i'm trying to say (laughs) is a man who ain't got much to give he be giving that you know what i mean that's what has always been said (laughs) that's what has always been said hasn't it she didn't clearly didn't have no complaints. They show sis glowing the next day, hair blowing in the wind. She's singing "Living My Life Like It's Golden." She out oh my here, gosh. she Hilarious. out here living her best life. I loved all her outfits, by the way. Did um, you? I did. You I know. liked her different lip color, but it was very nineties. It was, but I the it wasn't giving me Olivia Pope. Moments. My mom thought some of her looks were unprofessional yes 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 and yes especially to be a lawyer now don't get me wrong she's a partner she's established she's a badass but some of those slips some of those (laughs) necklines were you know knocking on inappropriate but you know it's it's also a sexy law you know law show so Mm. You have that as well, but and she has a great physique, so she does. She let's does. show it, baby. Let's show them shoulders. Brayden's case in the murder of Kalisha is underway. Did you think Brayden was guilty of killing Kalisha as we get this trial underway? I'm with Crystal. It was one of the two white people who did. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was either the wife or Theo. <laughs> I thought it was Brayden because I just couldn't get past this whole sexual assault and the messiness of feeling like there was something unresolved and like off and them not helping her with that and all that. I was like, I still feel like it's him. I still feel like something happened that propelled him to go ahead and kill her. Usually it's the husband or the lover. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? But when it came to the wife she was a little too cunning for me and then Theo was so thirsty I just Sarah she was, was a partner too Sarah was definitely cunning it yeah. would not have surprised me let's yeah. put it like that and I think the show did a good job of keeping you potentially guessing because you had a lot of people who could have had reasons to kill Kalisha based on personal as well as professional grievances right yes Theo, to your point, Brayden's right hand um, appeared to be trying to sell the company behind Brayden's back. When confronted, he supposedly had evidence that Kalisha was stealing from the company and her whistleblowing was going to be that Theo undervalued the company in preparation for sale. This whole business got very convoluted to me. It did, but it's the quintessential blame the person who's not there anymore for your mm-hmm. problems and when he did that i was like of course just let's blame the dead woman sure not just the dead woman the black woman Theo showed such animosity Ooh. for black women in his statements throughout this yep. series yep even the way he spoke of jacks i was like i oh, didn't trust mm-hmm. rich either because i'm like so you're just gonna take it no pushback he showed his ass a couple times, but it was more to me ego than it was racist. Yes. EO gave me straight racist. I agree. Brayden's wife, Sarah, was trying to buy off Kalisha's husband with money and sexual acts. She'd known about the affair prior to being told and had sent damaging emails prior to Kalisha's murder. You already said that you saw Sarah potentially as a suspect and Theo potentially as a suspect. Was there anybody else midway through that you would have considered a suspect. 
Did you think maybe your husband? Did you think maybe your cousin? Did you think I anybody never thought else? her husband, but the cousin that she had some issues with, not the one that was rallying everyone, but the one her daughter. Yes. Yes, definitely. Episode seven. Damon takes his brother's offer to join in illegal activities for some extra moolah. He was also ready to let Jax go after realizing they were not on the same page in terms of what they wanted. But she continued her pursuit. He was not, he was ignoring her text. She sent him a letter. Lord. Lewis finds out about it and joins in some extramarital, extracurricular activities after getting some advice from Chanel's piece of shit husband and an offer from a fellow mom at school. I called her in my notes, the carp pool ho mm. she was she was pers- she was definitely in pursuit and she was not shy but after seeing a threesome i thought maybe lewis was gonna question giving her a call were you rooting for a reconciliation between jacks and lewis were you hoping that these crazy kids would be able to figure this out yes only because i'm reminded it of um insecure how it took that one episode with Lawrence and Issa on their date walking around it was like Natasha wrote and directed that it was like that perfect rom-com moment and I my had favorite the epiphany, episode of the series I had the epiphany like we never got a chance to see them in love mm-hmm and that's how I feel about Jackson Lawrence. Like, I want to see them in love. I mean, we saw the joy, like I said, in the last at church. And we saw that they can get real nasty. <laughs> real nasty. Um, when things could be good. So I just, oh, I think that's the only reason why I'm curious. But honestly, based off Jack's behavior, it's really hard to tell if she wants it. And then when it comes to Lewis, I think he's a bit self-righteous. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. That conversation. I feel like I was team Lewis for a while, despite the whole, you know, issue of him giving her ultimatum, because I really feel some type of way about that, about her career. Um, I was still team Lewis because I saw the love there. And I wanted it to work out for the sake of the kids and the family. And they were still able to have playful moments together. And they just have a vibe. They have a chemistry. But when he was having the conversation with Chanel's husband and sounding a little bit like an incel, and you had the other husband there as the voice Girl. of reason, I was like, I'm going to take that husband. That's my I was husband. so happy. I was like, at least they have that. Because you know how many men circles that only have that? Yep. His name, I think his name was Chris. I was like, Chris? oh, I'm taking Chris. Thank you, Chris. Chris, Go my home, husband. Chris. Yeah, Chris, Girl. my husband. Chris up here saying, how you going to get mad at her for stuff that you agreed to at the time? All this stuff, you now you're aggrieved. You agreed to move to LA. You agreed to take a step back for the sake of the family. All these things that, first of all, women do many times over. Yes. It's your fault for holding this resentment because at this rate, nothing really changed. Except him actually voicing maybe his reservations. But again, the fact that he wasn't even willing to go to couples therapy. I'm like, Mm -hmm. the reason why you go to couples therapy is to have a third party, to have Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And also to figure out how best to communicate these issues. Because a lot of times once they would get into it, it would blow up. You know what I mean? And so you need somebody there to help say, okay, well, let me help better translate what it is you're trying to say, or let's get to a deeper, the deeper issue. Because sometimes people say things, but it's a deeper issue they're really meaning, right? And so how are we going to get get through that together? But I was I still hopeful for them for a reconciliation? Again, for the sake of the family, I was like, Jackson, you stop hopping on everybody else and try to see if you and Lewis are actually going to work because ever since we met them as a couple to me Jax had been distracted with other situations yes and so I wanted to see what just focusing on trying to preserve that marriage was going to look like so I'm still on the bandwagon but I felt some type of way about 
a resolution after that conversation Lewis had. So let's wrap up the season. Episodes eight and nine, we see flashbacks to Jax as a teen and learn about her history with her stepfather, who made inappropriate sexual advances toward her and tried to groom her. Her mother took him back after he stopped drinking, alleging that that was the root of his issues. Jax was able to confront him in the series before he dies. Do you feel like her mother should have handled the situation with the stepfather differently or that she was not as understanding of how her daughter might have felt given his advances at the time? That's a great question. So I was nervous in the sense of, please don't tell me Jax's mom is like, unfortunately, many women who would rather not be alone and just overlook what her daughter has to say about this essentially stranger in her house. You know what I mean? In in the sense of, you know, he's someone that you brought in to your safe space and your daughter is telling you something and you're not reacting to it. So what I will say is this. I think her mother did what she needed to do when she found out about him going into her bed. I am saddened that Jax didn't tell her about all the other instances that led up to that moment. But as a mother, I think she should be able to connect the dots in the sense of you don't do something that major without having small things happen up to that point, you know? And so the, the fact that she decided to take him back even all those years, I think it's very weak that you solely blame it on him being an alcoholic. I don't know why there weren't more conversations had between her and Jax after that incident to dig deeper into it and to see what she was thinking, what she was feeling, and if there had been a pattern of abuse. That was disappointing to me. And to be fair, I'm sorry, Ashley. No, I was just going to say, I understand that there are a lot of nuances to how victim sexual abuse handle it. It just made me sad that it was something that continued to affect her throughout the entirety of this series, throughout the entirety of her life until he's finally gone. What I will say is this, it is something to single moms bringing in people into um, their lives, right? Like there are creeps and pedos that actually look out for women who have children just for, you know, that situation. And I think it was important for her mom to be diligent. And it's also important for her mom to actually take the time to know why Jax was so distant. Like, like to your point, there should have been conversations had after that incident, but there absolutely should have been more conversations had when she, when he re-entered their lives. Mm-hmm. And why is Jax just now threatening him on if he ever did anything to her daughter? I'm like, why did you let him, why did you let your daughter over there? Yeah. I know that was a big struggle that she had and the reason why she never told Lewis about what happened because she didn't want to eliminate them out of her life. But it's just such a struggle. And I'm sure it's somebody's story. I'm sure somebody can very much relate to this and relate to that dynamic between, well, this happened to me, but this is my family and this is the only family I have. And it's, it's, it's sad. Obviously you see, she never let her kids spend the night over there. She was very reluctant to right. le- ever let them be alone in that situation, right. all of that. So I think she felt like she had put safeguards in place, but it was still a tricky situation mm-hmm. to be in and something that emotionally she carried that caused her to be the way she was. Yes. Yes. Jack's confrontation with her stepfather alerted her to Kalisha's killer. It was Brayden. Killed her after she faux signed the NDA. When Jax confronted him, he even threatened Jax should she attempt to get in his way. He is an entitled man. He was a psychopath. Absolutely. He's flipping the switch. I always find that interesting in series where you see them flip from that version of themselves that's supposedly been a good guy to the reality of who they really are, 
We saw seeds of it. He like he was gonna kill his wife for a minute when she came at him. Honestly, that's when I knew he was guilty. The way he intimidated her with his body, I was like, oh, he beats her. Uh, he absolutely absolutely did that shit. The level of aggression you hadn't seen just yet. So, unfortunately, Jax wins this case. But Brayden's financial crimes get him caught up to end the season. The discovery with help from Jax's crew. Damon spirals, loses Jax after beating down security guard Will, and loses his brother after putting Jax above him in the work they were doing. The kidnapping that began the season was thanks to Damon, but instead of killing Jax, kills himself. We end the season on a cliffhanger as Chanel calls Jax after seemingly killing her husband. Give me your final thoughts on this resolution of season one. And then I'll get your predictions should there be season two. My final thoughts. I'm not going to lie. When Jax was tied up and kidnapped, I immediately thought of Olivia Pope Mm -hmm. being kidnapped. (laughs) When I saw that it was Damon, I was like, of course, because he was mentally fragile. I I knew... (laughs) It's like, sis, you really got this man after 16 years being in jail and think you could just do something cute real quick with him. Mm-hmm. That mental I'm health like, toll. I don't think she ever even considered the fragility that he would have after that. I think they did a really great job unfolding the whodunit of the series. I enjoyed I enjoy seeing Sean Patrick in this light. You know, it's been a while since we've seen him like he's been working but like it was great to see him in a prominent role you know showing all the skills i was i was happy to see that when it comes to the cliffhanger i have no remorse for chanel's husband sorry i just shrugged everyone just for clarity uh, <laughs> he seemed like he beats her he does. She had a big bruise on her on cheek. On her face. When but she that called. stint that he pulled with that car, I was like, mm, don't like it. Don't he's, like it. He was not a good not a good guy. Not a good guy. But in general, I really enjoyed the continuity of the show. The attention to detail was definitely there when it con- when it came to the black experience and just her being a woman. Um, growing up through these through the years so like in one of the scenes we saw a picture of her screensaver and it was a picture of her kids as, as babies and they're much older and I'm like a mom absolutely would hold on to that baby picture to this day my laptop my laptop background is Amara's first year picture and every time I thought I was going to change it I never did and now it's like becoming iconic <laughs> I love that she wore her hair curly when she's with her family and friends, but she straightened it for work. I love that when she went to her mom's house, her mom had a picture of Obama in her living room. I I just felt like the continuity of the show was, uh, and the attention to detail was, was amazing. And I, I, I enjoyed those touches along with the song selection that meat meal intro with Lewis was a lot of fun. I actually appreciated his episode too, in a way, because t- it kind of switched things up. You know, I love a good flashback, but in addition to a flashback, I like getting to see, you know, a day in the life of another prominent character. So overall, I thought the courtroom scenes were amazing. I thought she was badass and she did what she had to do in the court. And Daniel has my heart. He was so freaking adorable. You mean Jay Wan from (laughs) This Is Us? I was like, oh my God, that's Jay Wan. (laughs) But then it's like, oh, not him being a lovable, adorable baby Huck, you know, like. He was baby Huck. Getting stuff done. Okay. He was. He was A1. Um, to your point about the hair, that I thought that was interesting because I was like, 
by the end when she goes to court for the verdict for Brayden's case, she wears her hair natural, pulled back with a lighter suit. And I was like, are we saying that something has been lifted off of her with these choices? Like, I felt like everything was very intentional with her hair and with her wardrobe. She wore a lot of black, all of this. And then suddenly she's got her natural hair out and she's wearing a light colored suit. Like how intentional was that? It felt intentional to me when Mm -hmm. I watched it. But Damon, the story, Damon's story broke my heart in this series. And that's not just because it's Michael Ely. I'm <sighs> totally serious. I just serious. rolled my eyes, everyone. I just I'm totally serious. I felt like it was a horror story and what happens to people yeah. who get put into the system and ch- totally have their life changed forever. Yeah. And are not able to recover. I think he was so fragile when he came out. And not to excuse his behavior and the things that happened, I just felt like he needed a lot of support that was just unfortunately not in place for him. Yeah. And there was no moment or time that he was really able to take and take a break to really get up on technology, get up on all these things that he's missed, not have this emotional involvement with this woman and all this stuff that just made him spiral. It made me really, really sad. So what are your predictions for season two? My predictions, well, I feel like this kidnapping incident is going to bring Jax and Lewis together. I believe Jax is absolutely going to get Chanel off in court. I almost wonder if that's going to be the main case, you know, mm-hmm. for next season or not. Um, And there'll probably be, an- be another high profile case i'm wondering if they're gonna pull from the headlines or make their own i'm sure there's enough in history to pull from <laughs> in terms of they can have some type a, of text yeah yeah or i wonder even, oh i like to do a Johnny depp and a Her- amber heard situation well if they pull from sean holly history they might because that I means she has to start representing some celebs um I wonder if there's going to be any blowback from this Brayden situation because I feel like he may realize and know that she has some involvement in him being charged with financial crimes and he already threatened her. So it's like, I wonder if there's going to be blowback with that in season two. So I wonder if it'll be one of those series where it's like, they'll just start off clean, but to your point, they could have that residual And even if it's not in season season two, maybe it would be, see if they have a season three, whatever. I just feel like that's not resolved yet. I don't feel like that's just done. I didn't feel like it was just a nail in the coffin just yet because I feel like there's going to be something that comes. Oh, and they may do a mental health situation Mm -hmm. with Jax. PTSD over the incident. It was a lot. She went through a lot. All right, guys. Well, that is our recap of Reasonable Doubt Season 1. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any thoughts, feelings, opinions you want to put out there, feel free to hit us up. We're on all the socials. We're also over there on the YouTube. So hit us up. We love to hear from you. Delora, what are your hidden gems for this week, girl? Well, we have a shared hidden gem this week. The great Quinta Bronson sat down with the great legendary Oprah Winfrey for a phenomenal conversation um, that's available on HBO Max. First of all, when I saw that it was announced, I was like, yes, 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 yes. And once we got into the conversation, what I absolutely love and didn't realize is they both have that Philadelphia connection. There were, speaking of hidden gems, there were so many gems sprinkled throughout the whole conversation. Obviously, they're talking about the success of Abbott Elementary, which is a big deal considering Quinta is the head. She's not only the head writer, the producer, as well as the star of the show. It's on it's on network television. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And Quinta is thriving. Some of the things that 
I took away from the conversation that I absolutely love is they do not suffer from imposter syndrome. And I thought that was fascinating because I unfortunately have not been able to say that, even though I know the work I've put in, but, uh, you know, confidence is a daily act. You guys, they relish being the underdog. I thought that was fascinating. And then they don't believe in failure. And I love that because you, your greatest lessons are moments of quote unquote failure. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. the fact that they're able to have this mindset, you know, it has definitely benefited them in their careers thus far. And then I absolutely love how Quinta says she was happy they didn't win best comedy. And I agreed with her on that. I said, uh, as I was watching it, that I also felt like that would have put extra layer of pressure that a freshman comedy series any series but a freshman comedy series doesn't need because then I feel like they'll try to pigeonhole you and take away the opportunity for creative expression and um you know playing around with different things and not having to stick to this very formulaic style that they had already kind of done I was like it's probably great just like it's just creep that they didn't win till their run was over because then you don't have all that pressure as you're going into your sophomore season, sophomore season is already going to be tricky. You already have a lot of buildup and anticipation of what it is going to be. It's just like your sophomore album of as an artist, as a music artist. Yes. It's so huge. I was with her, but I literally have in my notes, pure joy. Like that's how I felt watching this interview. I was just sitting up, just hands on my chin, just enjoying yes. being here in the garden with these two lovely ladies, both yes. looking gorgeous, Amazing. beautiful. And I, I have not watched a lot of Quinta interviews, so I got so much just out of Quinta, seeing her disposition, Mm -hmm. seeing the way she articulates herself, seeing this dynamic play with her and the greatest interviewer of all time, Oprah Winfrey, and the bonding and the girl, I was 32 when I started my journey, and I know that this is what you're on, and I know how this feels, and just see that come full, full circle for her as being such a big fan, I felt such satisfaction from it, and I'm rooting for you, sis. I've always been, but I'm, I, I loved this interview. So love, love, love. All right. My second hidden gem is Lindsay Lohan's comeback. <laughs> <laughs> I am talking about Falling for Christmas, which is available on Netflix. Is this the greatest Christmas movie of all time? No, it is not. But did Lindsay Lohan show up and, and you know, do her best? Yes, she did. And I'm proud of her. And she's back with the red hair. She's back with like, you know, this is like a sweet rom-com. It's rated PG, so nothing crazy is going on. But it was a lot of fun. It was had- she. I have tried to watch this. I've fallen asleep twice. So I'm going to have to try to give it another Again, chance. It is not monumental in any kind of way whatsoever. I love Lindsay. No. I love Lindsay. So I'm rooting for you. But I was happy to see her working and I look forward. I look forward to her doing more projects. I feel like this is a great baby step, you know, in her comeback. Cause I, I believe in her. She can do it. Oh, if you want to know what it's about, it's, <laughs> A young, newly engaged heiress has a skiing accident in the days before Christmas. After she's diagnosed with amnesia, she finds herself in the care of a handsome cabin owner and his daughter. So check it out. Court Overstreet is also in this movie. It's not rated very high, but if you love a good Hallmark moment, this is Netflix, you know, antidote for that my third hidden gem this week still reading books you guys i haven't made a recommendation though but i i'm not gonna own 70 books this year (laughs) since june and this one i read during the thanksgiving vacation and it was a joy it is called the dead romantics by ashley poston I usually get my book recommendations from what they call Bookstagram, so popular accounts on on Instagram. And I don't know what the books are about. 
and I just go in blind. And this one was an unexpected treat. It's a rom-com. It is a, it follows Florence Day, who is a ghostwriter for a prolific romance author. She is having a hard time after a breakup and she's having a hard time finishing her book. She meets uh, her new editor, who is a handsome man. Um, she goes home. She goes to her hometown because of a loss. And at the funeral parlor at the front door is her handsome editor, who is now a ghost. <laughs> and you pretty much follow their interactions with each other. Uh, in, in some of the... Um, write up it says romance most certainly is dead <laughs> but it's a tongue-in-cheek essentially it's a contemporary romance with a little bit of paranormal fantasy and it was a joy and i highly recommend it all right ashley what are your hidden gems i have three additional hidden gems my first one is higher learning interview with jonathan majors available via Spotify as well as other Very apps good. and YouTube. I love this interview. I think one, because I don't know that much about Jonathan Majors personally or how he grew up. Mm -hmm. And two, because he's a fan of higher learning. And so I just, they had such great chemistry with him. I think because of that, and he was just open and warm and um, excited probably to chat with them. So it just made, in my opinion, for a really good interview. So what it was I only 30 some minutes. So it was an easy, digestible listen. He's quite awkward in other interviews too. I believe it. I mean, he still had a minute to kind of warm up, but once he really got going, I really enjoyed it. And I, again, I feel like they got a lot of information out of him and, you know, a lot of stories that I don't know if he shared on any other platform yet. So I really enjoyed it. I may give it a, another listen because sometimes I really re-listen to their episodes twice. So that is Higher Learning Interview with Jonathan Majors. My second is Wednesday on Netflix. I was so excited for this series, guys. And I had to take my time watching it because I'm not at home. And there's other people who need to watch things on television. And so I caught spoilers on these internets. And I was Ooh, very, I found any. very, very upset because I knew how it was going to end before it ended. <gasps> oh. And I hate that. I hate oh. it. But I still love the series. Tim Burton is one of my favorite directors. And I love yes. this exploration of Wednesday. Jenny Ortega was phenomenal put her stamp on this character for damn sure so i i highly recommend it we'll probably end up recapping it that is wednesday on netflix and my last one slumberland also on netflix fantastically fun i knew i was gonna love this movie story of a young girl who who traverses dreams and flees nightmares with the hope that she will be able to see her late father again Jason Momoa is a part of this cast, Kyle Chandler. I just really enjoy these fantastical moments. And because it was like based around a, a young girl, like having that childhood sense of wonder and all of that good stuff, it was just fun. It was very enjoyable to me. I'm also somebody who has very vivid dreams. So I really enjoyed this exploration of what a dreamlike world in reality would be like and imagining somebody creating that world basically for you so slumberland netflix check that one out as well guys and that's it that's all we got for this week we'll be back we'll see you for our usual headlines hot topics episode hope you guys are enjoying uh our kickoff to the month of december my birthday month cheers <laughs> we'll see you next time Bye.